This episode is made possible by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, working to build a more healthy, just, and inclusive future for everyone at czi.org. This coronavirus crisis is unlike most any other because it's hitting every person in this country at once. When you think about it, it's sort of 300 million individual crises. I can't see my children. Everyday life is very strange. I, I feel quite isolated, living alone, and uh, I hope this ends sometime soon. Those of us who are home alone, we don't have anyone we can help. We worry about if we have to help ourselves and even just a feeling of helplessness. I'm Lisa Desjardins, and from the PBS NewsHour, this is America Interrupted. Today, we leave behind all the numbers, infections, now deaths, how many millions of us have been ordered to stay at home, and we dive deep into the isolation, get a sense of what we're all feeling, from a school principal with no students, a business owner now with no business, and a comedian who actually does have a few jokes. We look at how this is affecting people's lives. Three, two, one. Mic check. Okay. Red leather, yellow mother. Is that a theater thing? Red leather. <laughs> yes, that's My friend and NewsHour colleague Josh Barajas spent days posting callouts, asking people to send their personal messages to us about how they're feeling disconnected, how they're coping, if they're coping. So, Josh, you heard from dozens of people, all kinds of people, young, old, rich, poor, every part of the country all of them experiencing this really strange new society without society. Yeah, I just think it's just a strange time right now. And um, a big part of my job is just meeting people in person, shaking their hands. And, um, you know, I notice that uh, I often ask pretty quickly, I breeze through the question of just how you're doing. It's just like a quick formality. And I notice how I've slowed that down a bit more. And the reason why is because I'm also adding a dimension to my question, which is, how are you processing uh, the isolation that you're feeling right now? You're more interested in how people are really doing. Like you're sort of honing in on, on actually how they're doing. That's right. All right, you're going to take us on this journey. Where do you want to start? I want to start with someone who talked quite a bit about how they felt so caught off guard by this crisis and um, how abrupt it felt. And he did ruminate a little bit about how maybe the pandemic was going to shape us in some profound ways that we may not know yet. This is the first time in my lifetime I've ever seen everything shut down. Schools, churches, restaurants, movie theaters, malls. I've never seen this in my lifetime. So the question becomes, how is this thing going to play out? And this is for somebody like me who's 57, 58 years old, so I can't imagine what it's like for a child who's 9 or 10. All right, who, who is that? What's he mean? The man you hear is uh, Mark Medley. He's an elementary school principal at this all-boys school in Patterson, New Jersey. And when I called him up, um, he had something in particular on his mind. He was wondering out loud what effect all this information that we're hearing about the coronavirus, what effect would this have on the kids? I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. However, traumas that we experience in our childhood for the most part, really never go away. So it'll probably manifest itself one way or the other. 
It's just like people who grew up in the Depression and how they tend to save and this, that, and the other, and people that grew up in all these other catastrophes. So it will manifest something. I don't know what, but I'm quite sure. I, or let's put it this way. The kids need to understand they are living in, in a historic event, and I don't think they're going to forget it. So this is a school principal. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking about the fact that in his world, usually this is a person who's in command, surrounded by a lot of people, and now he is by himself. What is that like for him? Mark is an extrovert. This has been really hard for him on a very personal level. Um, In our conversation, he talked about how the virus had just severed all these different kind of connections that he would be so used to. So his, you know, people at church his family, his friends. And just last week, a longtime friend of his from childhood died. It's I, I should say it's unclear if the coronavirus was responsible for his friend's death, um, but it did mean he had to grieve from afar. He passed away last Sunday morning. We couldn't do a funeral. Haven't been able to go by his parents' house. His parents are in their 80s. In my wife's church, someone passed away a couple days ago. What they did was they all got in their cars and they made signs up and parked their cars outside of the lady's house and held up the sign saying, we love you and you're in our prayer, so forth and so on. So it's just- Mark talked quite a bit about this feeling of isolation. I feel it. We all feel this. I know. I feel it. And that is a massive part of this. But, you know, I'm also thinking, while there are all of these really significant feelings, right, of us being cut off from each other, you know, I cover Congress and... The hands-on problem right now, the urgent problem, is people being cut off from their livelihood, the economic isolation. Yeah, we heard a lot about that. These are people who have felt the ground shift from under their feet. They've lost their jobs or their business, and that's where I want us to go next. Okay, so you have two stories here about the fallout from the economy itself. Where do you want to start? I think first we should talk about Jackie. Mi nombre es Jackie y vivo en el estado de Maryland y trabajo con limpiando casas. She and her husband clean houses and apartments in and around the Maryland area. Several homes a day, several times a week. And now, because of the virus, they can't go to their workplaces. And that's because uh, their workplace is other people's homes. And I should say that Jackie asked that we only use her first name because she is an undocumented immigrant and fears legal consequences if fully identified. And also, I should mention, you did this interview through translation in Spanish. Is that right? That's right, Lisa. Uh, Jackie speaks in both Spanish and English, but she did say she felt more comfortable telling her story in Spanish. And she also said that this will be the third week um, her family won't have an income. Estamos este, asustados, muy asustados con todo esto. Y we're frightened, very frightened with all of this. And truly, we don't know what's going to happen. If this will end in a month or in two months, we hope it will be soon. And, well, the frustration of not having an income right now, that's what's having the biggest impact on us. We have rent to pay, and thankfully we have some savings. But I think in two or three more weeks, they'll run out. All her clients canceled her services. 
but Jackie told me that a few did continue to pay her and her husband during this time. Um, but I should also say that Jackie gave some of that money uh, to other people who work with them. Yo les agradezco a los clientes que están trabajando desde su casa. I'm thankful to our clients who are working from home and have thought about us. From my heart, I don't know how to thank them right now. But I know that when we're working again, their house will be the cleanest in the state. We've always worked hard to please them, and through their messages, they've told me that they are grateful. There's a union among people who don't even know each other, helping out on the streets, offering food, helping at churches. That support comes from people who have the will to help others they don't even know and from people who have a blessing, like having an income or being able to work from home. They're taking care of themselves in the middle of the situation, which took us all by surprise, but which we have to overcome. I think that's a universal theme, the idea of gratitude, that we're going to hear more about in this podcast But, you know, with Jackie, there's another layer to her story. We mentioned it earlier, right, Josh? That's right. Jackie and her husband are undocumented immigrants from El Salvador. They pay taxes, but um, they may not get access to other benefits, including unemployment. And that just makes the isolation a bit more profound. Cuando no tienes un estatus legal en el país, todos los días sientes miedo. When you don't have a legal status in this country, you fear every day that you might not make it back home, that you'll say goodbye to your family and not make it back home. Now it's even worse, because there's a chance you come back home sick. In that case, you can't even touch your family, and you lose the will to keep going. Whereas if you live under the fear of an immigration status, you at least have the hope that you'll return to your country alive, and that at some point may take time, but you'll be able to see your family and hug them again. But this doesn't give you any time. This can take you away, and you're never coming back. You won't even have the chance to say goodbye to those you love. This is a woman who is separated from her family in El Salvador. But what I hear there is that right now she feels even more separated from them. Because of this disease, she's even more isolated from them than before. Yeah, and that is an idea I heard from a lot of different people. Um, They've lost this sense of control and are isolated more because of their economic instability. And on the other side of this coin is a story I heard from a business owner named Andrea Vieira. We've not only shut down our business, both of our locations, but we, my business partner and I made the very unfortunate and difficult decision of laying off our entire staff of 73, ourselves included. Wow, 73 workers laid off. You know, that's right. And she owns two nail salons in Washington, D.C. And they're called the Nail Saloon. I know them. (laughs) And she started them six years ago with her best friend. And now they've laid everyone off. Yeah. How how does that work in a pandemic exactly? How do you fire people when everything is shut down? Yeah, it's 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 a bit interesting because the news apparently was delivered over uh, a video conference. And that's about as um, of a personal touch they can make it. 
And now she and her business partner talk about whether or not they'll be ever be able to reopen. And as you'll hear, it's, it's emotional for her. My business partner and I were just on the phone a little bit earlier and I was saying, okay, how are you feeling? I don't know, you know, one to 10. And we, we haven't been at 100% once yet that we're, re- we're going to reopen, but sometimes we're at, a, you know, 75% and 70%. But sometimes we think if this keeps going, we'll be at 20%. There's no way we'll be able to make it. Um, sorry. You know, you can ask me in the morning and I'm like, we're definitely going to reopen. We're going to make it. And then there's moments that you're like, we don't know. I'm also nervous for the country reopening, to be frank, you know, um, this is bigger than my business or anybody's business. This is kind of a moment of like a crossroads for humanity, you know, and yeah, you can really feel her struggle. But she is in a different category than Jackie, the undocumented worker that you talked with, because Andrea and her business could get a lot of help from the bill that Congress just passed. There are billions in that for small businesses like hers. That's right. And uh, I should say that while Andrea needs the money, she also is someone who can see past her own business. And as this crisis deepens, uh, she acknowledges how every business uh, may have some trouble. You know, the big companies need to be bailed out, too. I think people always say just bail out small businesses. The big companies employ a lot of people who then shop at their small businesses. This is massive what's happening right now. Like everybody needs a hand, not just the small guys. The big guys need one, too, and certainly the small guys. And um, And right there, there's another theme. People may be totally isolated from most of the world, but they're thinking about each other in ways that I'm not sure they were two months ago. Yeah, I, I think we're all trying to find a way to connect while isolated and it's really heavy right now and I wanted to find a way to maybe lighten the mood. Um, I mean, is there room for a laugh amid this crisis? And I just realized I'm going to button my top button. I'm coming undone, Blair. <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> this has got to be a family-friendly show, PBS NewsHour. Right, right. i got to be somewhat classy uh, here. Right. Um, Josh, what? I don't understand. What, what is this? I, I mean, I can explain. All right, so uh, <laughs> this is Blair Postman. And we talked over Skype. And as you can tell, she is a comedian. I wore a real broad today, Josh. You can... <laughs> You can step up your game, too. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be fun. Uh, but forgive me, just wh- why a comedian? I I mean, I, I feel like I've been a little dark soul of the night lately. And I thought maybe Blair had a joke in her back pocket. Is there is is there a, is there a joke you haven't told yet that you're still workshopping? Just kind of curious. I know, like workshopping. It's like I'm looking at these. They're so terrible. Like I have one that's... Um, I wrote, at precisely 10 a.m., and I mean precisely, a neighbor started cutting their hedges with a really large, really loud hedge cutter machine. And so that means that he got up on this Sunday morning during the quarantine, inevitably had a debate with his wife about it, and he said, fine, 10 a.m., that's how late I'll wait to annoy my neighborhood of people with frayed nerves. And then 10 a.m. came and went out there, because that's his truth. You're selling that with jazz hands, that's what I say, you know. <laughs> First of all, I think that is funny. I'm still I'm still working it out. But what amazes me about that is she is in her living room on Skype with you and she's talking at a level 
as if she were in a club with 150 people in front of her. Yeah, I mean, I feel so special because I, I feel like she was <laughs> delivering jokes to an audience of one. And uh, she was allowing me peeks into her uh, writing process, etc. And, and the reason why I wanted to talk to her, the reason why I wanted to reach out to a comedian is um, I, I often, in moments of distress, think about humor. And I was wondering if it was easier or harder to write jokes now than maybe when things were a little bit more normal. I think, I think that's a fake distinction because, I, uh, if I may be so bold, because I think in the crisis, you're writing about your normal life in the crisis. I promise you that I have many crises every day um, in my mind, whether it's work or home or cats or you know cat vomit or whatever, cat ER. We have a lot of cat issues. The, um, but you're really just, you're always seeing it through your lens. And so I see this crisis through my lens and my life and my experiences. And I, that is the same thing I do every day. You know, I actually get that. I relate to cat vomit. It is awful. <laughs> I, I really, I don't want there to be cat vomit. I don't want that in my world. I don't want there to be coronavirus. I feel like I'm talking like a comedian now. I got to tone it down. But I get her point. And somehow it is all weirdly funny. Yeah. And in our conversation, um, there were a lot of light moments. Um, but I did ask her if anything scared her. And then she mentioned her husband. He had colon cancer very recently, and that puts him at a higher risk if he gets the virus. And he had a follow-up appointment with a doctor this week. And, you know, I can't really go with him. And that's not fun. And I, I don't necessarily think that he would maybe pass away, but the idea that he would get it and it be in that much extra discomfort and pain, I find that very scary. I worry about people who are lonely. I worry about people who are putting their lives on the line. Like, is the UPS guy gonna get sick from delivering these packages? Um, and of course, every medical person in America. I, I worry about those things. So, hey, thanks, Josh. <laughs> yeah, th thanks, Josh, for bringing the comedian and all of us down. I, I can explain. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just think... <laughs> A lot of us have a lot of worries right now, and I thought Blair shows how humor um, can offer something, some type of solace in this moment. We often will sit alone as big bad things are happening and sort of this little bottled soda water all corked up and really nervous, and then the comedian comes along and uncorks it and makes a joke about it that we kind of all had maybe in the back of our head, and it releases all that pressure. As bad as this is, and it's bad, uh, there are a lot of us who have a lot to be thankful for. So it, it lets us not get so deep down the darkness rabbit hole that we're not also doing what little things we can do. I think Blair helped me out of the dark rabbit hole. Hey, I like that. I'm glad. The thing I liked about her is she's really kind of aggressive about confronting the fact that this is bad. It's almost like, I don't know if you picked up on this, but it's as if she's mentally rolling around in the mud of this crazy disaster mm -hmm. and like embracing this truth that, I'll just put it bluntly, this, this pretty much sucks. Yeah, I can report directly from my bedroom floor that this is uh, this sucks, and there's so many different ways that people are experiencing this crisis. 
uh, in ways that make them feel really small and just like tiny moving parts. And we're all trying to build, I see us trying to build um, maybe invisible wires, uh, trying to connect to one another. I, oh. I, I see Mark's wife and the funeral signs and Jackie with no income, who's still talking about how, who maybe has it worse than her and her family. That makes me think one thing that stood out for me was Andrea, the business owner, who mm-hmm. the thing that was so important to her was telling her employees in their to their face. But it was over a video screen that they had been laid off. Like she mm-hmm. had she wanted to make that connection, even though it was sort of absurd. Yeah. I mean, everything is just harder now because it's harder. That doesn't mean communication has to stop. It just means we have to figure out better ways or just somehow circumvent the issues right now. And I just hope when this ends um, that we have maybe new new ways of connecting or we create new systems to reach out to one another in the wake of all of this. I hope so, too. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Lisa. And thanks to all of you for listening from wherever you are. All right, we have one more short piece of sound to play for you. But first, a reminder, you can follow all the NewsHour coverage of coronavirus on our website, of course. That's pbs.org slash NewsHour. This episode was created in several living rooms and at least one closet. That's where I am right now. It was produced by Vika Aronson and edited by Erica R. Hendry and Emily Carpo. We had production assistance from Bella Isaacs, Frank Carlson, Patty Garena Morales, Tess Conchatore, and Rebecca O. Special thanks to Travis Dobb, Vanessa Dennis, and James Williams. Our executive producer is Sarah Just. And also, thanks to Lyndon Beckford, just one man who likes to sing, trying to connect, and who happens to be a hospital worker in Boston. Lyndon serenades his patients, and he recorded this for us. Stay safe, everyone. Do you mind uh, singing the Bob Marley song? (laughs) Your bad news. Wake up this morning to greet the rising sun. Two little birdie sit on my doorstep singing sweet songs. A melody pure and true, yeah, this is a message to you. Singing don't worry about a thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. For every little thing, it's gonna be alright, yeah. Singing don't worry about a thing. No, 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 for every little thing is gonna be all right. That's it.